Welcome to The Optimist Chronicles, your emotional safe space to explore and be whoever you are and feel all of your feelings. I'm your host, Anna Marie Green, clinical therapist, expert anxiety coach, intuitive healer, and soul-led optimist. Here to bring you all the topics and conversations to help you become more of yourself and see life in a more positive view. Let's get it. Hi guys, before the episode begins, I wanted to hop on here and just let you know that my February calendar for anxiety readings is now open. If you have been curious about um, what an anxiety reading is, or you've been interested in scheduling one, now is a great time. An anxiety reading is an energetic healing and reading where I connect with the energy of your anxiety and pull the specific root causes Um, where it's impacting your life the most, um, and then the specific and tangible steps to heal and process your specific wounds that are triggering, causing the anxiety to kind of take over and prevent you from moving forward. There's also a really fun part at the end of the reading where I talk about how to use your anxiety to manifest. So if you're curious or someone you know would benefit from this reading, head to the show notes and find out more information on Instagram, or you can go to my website directly and book an appointment. I can't wait to see you guys then. Enjoy the show. Happy Wednesday, guys. I'm so excited for another episode of the Optimist Chronicles and welcome back. This week, I'm super pumped. It's a Pisces new moon, which is like, you know, leaving all of our junk from behind. If you're into astrology, if you're not, just ride this energy. But this week, I have an awesome guest, and I actually did two interviews this week, so you'll get to listen to my next wonderful guest next week. But this week, I have a colleague and really good friend, Mikkel, and he, I call him the king of boundaries. I look up to him as a mentor, but also as just the person who is so dope with his personal boundaries, his professional boundaries. He's like a wizard to me because I have really struggled with boundaries over the course of my life, professional and personal. And so I'm really excited to bring him on to teach you guys the wonderful magic of setting boundaries and what it can look like kind of behind the scenes and making these changes. He has a bunch of tips for you. This is a very educational episode. Um, He has so many great strategies and great ways to look at things that you guys are just going to really walk away with a better sense of how to implement boundaries and see how boundaries are playing a role in your life. So I'm super excited to welcome Mikkel on the show. Mikkel Goka is a psychotherapist and member of the Michigan Psychoanalytic Institute and the American Psychoanalytic Association. In his profession, Mikkel utilizes a psychodynamic approach that focuses on underlying the root causes of an individual's emotional suffering through self-reflection and collaborative exploration by also using the relationship between therapist and patient as a window into problematic relationship patterns in a patient's life. Through this hard work, people can achieve meaningful change that can help enable them to live their lives with a sense of bravery, strength, love, and acceptance that they weren't consciously aware of before. Mikkel has many interests, including playing acoustic guitar and drawing. He also hopes to become a member of the Detroit Film Critics Society because he also thoroughly enjoys watching and judging acclaimed films that are in the running for the Academy Awards every year since high school. You guys, he's seriously so cool. He went to drama school before uh, becoming a social worker, and he's just the bomb diggity. So enjoy this episode, learn lots of things from my brilliant, brilliant friend, and I will see you guys on the other side. Remember, 
You got this. Okay, everyone, I'm so excited. I have one of my really good friends. Um, His name is Mikkel, and he is going to be here to talk to you about boundaries, a little bit about personal identity. Um, When we first interacted and met, I realized very quickly that he was the king of boundaries when it came to (laughs) my therapeutic friends and colleagues. And I was like, this guy is so good at this. You know, I hope to be able to have boundaries like that. So that is what we're going to be talking about today. Hello, Mikkel. How are you? And one of the first questions I ask all of my guests is what does it mean to be an optimist to you? And how do you connect to your inner optimist? (laughs) Well, first of all, thank you so much for that. It's an honor to be here. And I'm really happy and excited to be doing this with you. Uh, And as far as an optimist for me, uh, Winston Churchill once said this, a pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity and an optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. Mm, that's which, a great, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I yeah. love that. I, yeah. I live by that mantra because um, there's always a reason for every difficulty that we experience and there's something to learn from it. Yeah. Um, and how can we grow to be better from that uh, particular difficulty? And there's an opportunity for us to possibly address something that we may have been avoiding for most of our lives or mm-hmm. a fear that we might need to confront yeah. Uh, because that can be imprisoning um, to a certain point. And does that hold us back? And is this really what we actually need? Um, yeah. We may not want it, but we might need it. And yeah. there's something to see from the other side of it. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's that can be really hard for people to do. It's just like when we're in those difficult moments where to try to see the other side of it, how do you find yourself or you know, how do you... Um, advise clients to find that other side? Mm -hmm. Well, optimism isn't about ignoring negative feelings. It's about being hopeful about the future, even when the present is really negative or really difficult. Um, It's a challenge. Yeah. It requires to acknowledge your positive and negative emotions at once Mm -hmm. and to allow them to exist simultaneously. Yeah. And as hard as it may be to make the case for optimism during the time of crisis or difficulty or even panic, Mm -hmm. um, that's when it happens to be the most useful and valuable for us. Okay. Uh, That's great. I'm, you know, I never, I always think about optimism as just like an ever going thing. So to think about it as like, it's the most valuable when we are in those darker moments is really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, especially during a crisis. I mean, yeah. We just have to be more attentive to our emotional state. And when we do that, we're able to move more quickly beyond our stress and beyond our discomfort and our pain. Yeah. And one of the keys to becoming more resilient is to practice compassion both towards ourselves as well as others. Mm-hmm. And one of the keys to doing that is to interrupt recurring cycles of negative uh, talk, yeah. self-talk. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. I That's like one of the number one things that I feel like people are always coming to me and I'm I'm sure you see it too, but just like therapists in general, where they're just like, I have, like, I have these, these spiraling thoughts where I, you know, I don't think I'm great or I, you know, I'm, I'm down because a lot of times because of the limiting thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, a question to ask too, in in that kind of spiral is like, what kind of fear do you think that you have? Mm -hmm. What is um, something negative about yourself that you fear is true? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I tell, um, one of the things I tell my clients as an anecdote 
um, to understand that is if somebody were to tell me, you know, your hair is too blonde as mm. an insult, I would not, um, I'd be like, what? Okay. But if someone were to say something that I actually believed about myself, that's what would upset me. So mm. that's a really great thing mm. to share with people because I don't think we recognize that. We think that just if someone says something, it's going to hurt our feelings, but realistically the times that it sticks and it sits with us is when we already believe that. Mm -hmm. That if uh, an insecurity was um, touched off on. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, when we find ourselves cycling through those negative thoughts that don't really go anywhere, it doesn't help us move. Yeah. Uh, it's important to take a step back and think like, um, and focus on our breath rather than our thoughts and changing our physical environment to help create distance from that uh negative yeah. mental space you know yeah. it's important to remember to not stay there because then if you stay there and you stay there for too long you can get stuck yeah and then essentially hopeless yeah uh, and it's also important to have a conversation obviously with someone that you trust to get a fresh perspective and um yeah. it helps you from not being alone or isolated yeah yeah absolutely so tell us, what has your journey been like to get here and working as a therapist? You have all of this great knowledge and you're just like bursting at the seams telling us. And I'm so excited because you're something <laughs> that I look up to in the professional field as well. So tell us a little bit about your journey um, and also <clears throat> what helped you to create such great boundaries for yourself, but also help your clients to create such great boundaries. Mm. Well, thank you, by the way. I appreciate it. That means a lot hearing that from you because I'm <laughs> in so many ways. Thank uh, you. I would say like my journey to get to where I'm at has been a comedy of errors. <laughs> the sense of like um, recognizing my strengths and limitations um, and where those limitations came from, from my own life. Uh, yeah. And that also has to obviously do with um, being involved in my own therapeutic work and uh, and just learning that um, you're not going to know everything that you hope that you would once yeah. you graduate from grad school. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's uh, <laughs> there's kind of that, oh shit moment that I think we all face um, in the first like few months or year of mm -hmm. our work doing this. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as putting what we learn into practice and also recognizing that, oh God, there are certain uh, topics of conversation that I have trouble having in my yeah. own life and yeah. how can I help this person when I'm struggling with this same thing with the yeah. same meditation mm -hmm. and I have a supervisor who once told me that um supervision is a daily dose of public humiliation because <laughs> you're putting yourself out there in a way and recognizing that oh like I have this blind spot here I have this blind spot there yeah. and it's in front of somebody and it's so vulnerable but as long as you have a good match as far as working with somebody um, there's so much that you can learn that will not only help a patient, but will also help yourself. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I would say that that's been, um, just, uh, painful, but also rewarding at the same yeah. time. Yeah. The supervision part, you mean like getting the, the feedback? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had a lot to learn when it came to boundaries. Um, I've learned that I can be a little too self accommodating. Um, or a little too accommodating rather um, in the sense of uh, 
thinking, oh, well, let me just like rearrange my schedule for this person because they missed. Oh, that's me. Oh, yeah. I totally understand. I still have to regularly consciously walk myself through like, no, if they missed, like they, you don't have to reschedule this week. And I really struggled in the beginning with charging cancellation fees. Oh my gosh, the panic oh, and anxiety I used to get from that. <laughs> yes. Well, like on some level too, there can be a lot of us uh, of assumption making too with, with that oh, yeah. thinking mm-hmm. that like, oh, this uh, missed appointment fee is too much. They can't afford it. They're going to be mad at me. They're not going to understand yeah. that this is a boundary. Um, yeah. They're not going to understand that like, not only is our time valuable, but their time is valuable too. Mm-hmm. And there are consequences when it comes to not prioritizing your time or forgetting. Yeah. And we can take too much responsibility uh, mm-hmm. for that. And yeah. and ultimately, we're disrespecting their autonomy to mm-hmm. learn from their mistakes, yeah. to recognize that like, hey, um, this is our time. It's consistent. This will mm-hmm. help you <clears throat> structure your life. Yeah. This will help you give some uh, consistency mm-hmm. when it comes to taking care of your responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, it's helpful and not punishing. Yeah. But it feel like we are punishing yeah. them because we're charging them and basically making money for not doing work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That was my that was the exact mindset that I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to think I'm punishing them. And mm-hmm. it, and it does kind of feel like a, put like on, an, on my level, I was like, it does feel like a punishment. Like here's the thing. And then, you know, as a result, you know, you have to pay because that usually comes out of pocket because insurances don't cover that. But yeah, that's, so what would you say was like the hardest boundary for you? Um, when you started out, was it the, you know, late fees? Was it the scheduling? Hmm. I would say it was definitely the late fees um, because I have my own <laughs> feelings about money. Um, yeah. I, I would say that uh, I'm the type of person that believes that uh, m- mental health should be an accessible resource yeah. for everybody um, yeah. as far as their own personal health goes. Um, I, and it's also something that I've learned too that's been uh, disappointing is that um, the quality of healthcare is yeah. not very easily accessible, and it really depends on socioeconomic status and privilege mm-hmm. and uh, where you're from, what city you live in. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a multitude of factors that come into play that have to do with um, uh, all of those things. Yeah. Uh, and so I would say that dealing with um, the guilt of charging somebody, mm-hmm. even when like they, you know, know what the rules are, even yeah. when, uh, you know, they understand the point of the boundary to begin with, yeah. um, sometimes they can uh, argue against that. And sometimes you make the choice of, am I going to make this circumstance an exception? Mm-hmm. And what makes certain circumstances an exception and not. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at the same time, I've learned like uh, that can be very complicated mm-hmm. and muddy the waters. And yeah. I've learned to just accept <laughs> and mm-hmm. communicate that 
if you miss and you don't tell me within 48 hours, you get charged, period. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it, because I don't want to be in a position of having to choose like, oh, well, that excuse is OK. And this one's not. Yeah. Um, it depends on how often that happens, if it's a habit mm-hmm. or if it's a one off. Mm-hmm. Um, I It depends on like, you know, if something happens that's out of their control, um, like uh, like. I think it depends on if they're sick. Yeah. It depends yeah. on um uh inclement weather prevents them yeah. from going to see me in person. If it yeah. has to do with safety and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So what would you say now, like kind of to parallel this is for people who are listening, what you're saying, like essentially like there are exceptions. So are there exceptions that we should look for? you know, on our personal boundaries for people who are, who are listening, who are like, I know I need to work on my boundaries. You know, how do they decide, you know, this is a boundary that like cannot move. And this, you know, here are, here are things to like, look for that. Like maybe if you would want to move the boundary a little bit, it's, it's not going to be as, as harmful for you. Hmm. That's a really good question. I mean, boundaries in a sense um, are meant to help people feel safe Mm -hmm. and they're meant to help people know what they're getting themselves into. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's important to pay attention to how often does that get tested? Um, And sometimes you need to recognize uh, what individuals need you to be more rigid Mm. and which ones don't really need that from you. Um, You know, it's important to know, like, uh, does this person show up on time? Does this person Mm -hmm. uh, come across as reliable? Does this person Mm -hmm. come across as genuine? Do they not have a habit of lying or being um, deceitful? Yeah. Um, Because, you know, that can exhibit a pattern of feeling like they need to get away with certain things Mm -hmm. or or, um, create certain perceptions that um, can help them uh, defend against something, whatever it may be. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a, it's a tough call to make. And I wouldn't say that it applies, that there's a one size fits all approach. I would say yeah. it's a matter of thinking about what do you feel comfortable with? Like mm-hmm. what solution can you feel comfortable with? Yeah. And what are you happy with? Yeah. That, um gives you and the patient uh what you both need yeah okay okay so what I know I know that you uh, like your path into therapy wasn't like a linear path where you were like out of the out of high school and we're like I'm gonna be a therapist um you know you went to drama school which is so cool (laughs) you tell us a little bit about some of the skills or the, you know, parallels that you brought over from drama school into clinical therapy, um, or some of the lessons that you learned that you feel like transferred over to your identity as a therapist. (laughs) I I laugh because um, I I was in drama school by accident, I say. (laughs) It it happened out of, um, just to make a long story short, um, I was in a uh, theater um, in high school and I had a drama teacher approach me after I did a monologue and she was like, you really need to do this. You need to really pursue this as a career. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> and she recommended me to um, uh, 
try out for the acting program at the same university that her daughter attended. And so I did just for the sake of like, oh, it'll be cool just to say that I did it. Yeah. Didn't think I'd get in and I got in. And so long story short, um, that happened. Uh, <laughs> it was a fun year. Um, I'm glad I did it. Um, and I would say that um, there are many uh, skills that I would say were transferable into being a therapist. Um, yeah. What I would say is actors as performers, they must understand the social context of their characters in society and okay. the smaller context of their characters' relationships with the un- other individuals in the play, as well as anyone who might be named in the work but is not appearing on the stage. Yeah. So all this involves like theory of mind. Yeah. Uh, the ability. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the ability to understand what someone else knows, what they believe, what they're thinking, and what they're feeling. Yeah. And this enables actors to understand their character and his or her reactions to other people Mm -hmm. and whether it's in a play or on a tv show or movies it requires more than the momentary understanding of the character's emotions yes much like interacting with others socially requires the developing awareness of personality and culture and contextual effects on behavior Mm -hmm. and all this may lead to developing a theory of mind and ultimately empathy yeah. Um, you can't you can't do this kind of work this therapeutic yeah. work without empathy oh yeah for sure without empathy also <laughs> um and we also need to understand that not every human being is capable of having empathy which is another yeah. part of this work that we we will eventually run into yeah but yeah I would say that that's how that applies that's awesome so do you um what advice do you have for people out there who are like, I am, you know, in this one major and they realize that their job is going in in a completely different direction or that their interests are going into a different direction. Mm. Um, Cause I, cause I'm sure that part of like going into acting school and then, you know, Mm. figuring out, Oh, I think actually now I'm going to switch paths and become a therapist. It can be, it can Mm. feel like a lot. Any type of transition can feel like a lot. Hmm, yeah. <laughs> Speaking for me personally, I, I felt like um going into uh, drama school felt like an imposition. <laughs> it, <laughs> like, I kind of did it out of this sense of like, um, I felt seen, I felt recognized in that moment. And I really appreciated it for what it meant that yeah. someone saw me being um, talented yeah. and believed me. Um, yeah. And that really means a lot, especially to um, an adolescent. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I didn't, I didn't believe in myself in the sense of pursuing that as a career for the rest of my life that I would want to um, immerse myself in that life. Cause that life is full of um, not only rejection, but a, a, there's a lack of um, security that's always there. Okay. Um because you go from one gig to the next to the next. Yeah. And, you know, is that something that you can tolerate? It does yeah. your passion or your love for that interest, whether it's acting or whatever it is, mm-hmm. does that outweigh overpower that inevitable um, uncertainty that you're always going to face? Mm-hmm. We always deal with uncertainty, yes, but there's certain like, um, uh, 
there's a certain consistency that you and I have with this profession. We know, yeah. like, we have an idea of like how many clients we're going to see that week. And we have an idea of like ballparking. This is my minimum. This is my maximum of how much I'm going to make this month. We yeah. at least have that. Yeah. Um, with acting, it's like one set job ends, whatever it is, whether it's a play or a TV show or whatever, you have no idea what's next. Yeah. You have no idea how long it's going to take for you to get that next job. Yeah. And what you're going to do in the meantime. Yeah. So for me, I thought like, okay, what are my needs and yeah. what are my wants? Um, I know that I needed a sense of um, uh, stability with mm -hmm. what I was going to be doing um, professionally. I knew that as far as what my wants were, that I didn't want to be in a position where I was consistently financially vulnerable. Mm -hmm. um, and also I didn't believe that I would be like a famous actor. I never really like <laughs> thought that big. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I knew that I had limitations too, because I can't sing either. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and I think there's a lot of other factors too that come into play, like support and uh, mm -hmm. you have other financial resources that you can fall back on. I mean, there's so yeah. much, but um, I don't think that there's a one size fits all approach for anybody, but I think it's yeah. a matter of knowing um, uh, what are your priorities in life and what yeah. do, what's important to you as far as what you pursue and why, and why you pursue yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So with that, how, um, when did you first start implementing boundaries? Like you talked about, like, I knew what my needs were. And so, and I always feel like finding out what your needs and your priorities are, are the first step that you need to do to find out what boundaries you need. Um, and how did you notice, like, what were the effects of implementing boundaries, both like personally and professionally? Um, and how do you continue to maintain them? You know, one of the things that clients will talk about with me is, you know, yeah, I did like, they'll do, they'll have a, keep a boundary like one week, I'm sorry, or for one month. And then like the next, they're like, no, I, I couldn't maintain it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I wasn't consciously aware of what boundaries were until I was <laughs> like 23. <laughs> and I was like in my first, like, uh, uh, therapy treatment. Okay. And I, that was around the time when like, it wasn't, um, so uh conscious in our society when it comes to boundaries it's a lot yeah. more mainstream now these days as far as yeah. um the public conversation goes yeah um, now what i would say as far as what boundaries are my definition of it um there are own personal rules of engagement mm. um yeah it's how we let others know what's okay with us and what's not okay with us. And, yeah. and that includes our preferences, our limits and yeah. our deal breakers. Yeah. And this can go hand in hand personally and professionally. And by the way, I'm a work in progress. And, and <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, we all are. We, <laughs> we all are. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> That's important to emphasize that it's like progress is not linear and we're going to notice that uh, we may have a lot of ease in experiencing uh, our boundaries being respected in one setting yeah. or with one particular person, but not so much in another case. Yeah. And okay. it's about understanding too, well, what, what's the difference there? What's the distinction? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So it's daily, it's a daily struggle for us all, but yeah. it can get easier and easier the more that we engage in that kind of pursuit and yeah. not allow to let fear inhibit us from really expressing like who we are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So um, as kind of like, I guess, a case example, so to speak. So say mm-hmm. that there's somebody, a listener out there who has not been taught boundaries growing up, like came from a very like lack of boundaries home. I will say like, I, I'm, I am one of those people. I'm one of those adults. Um, mm-hmm. And they're wanting to take the first steps in figuring out and implementing boundaries. What would you, what advice would you have for them? Okay. So it starts with understanding how this all came to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thinking about a case that I work with. He is very polite, um, mm-hmm. very much uh, the type of person that often tries to comfort himself by telling himself, no, I'm good. I don't have this want or this desire. I have plenty in my life. Yeah. Um, when in actuality, he has difficulty with admitting to himself that he actually does want more and that he actually is quite distraught about where he's at in life. Yeah. And a matter of, it's, it's a matter of exploring like what led to that and how that all came to be. What was it like growing up? Yeah. Um, That's usually like a question that I ask that kind of opens up uh, the door for a patient to, really allow themselves to uh, share what it was like when they were growing up as a kid. Yeah. Uh, Something that I've learned that is applicable to this is um, this guy uh, grew up with a a brother that um, had his own behavior issues um, that needed a lot of attention and a lot of care. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that led to my patient uh, understanding that, oh, my parents are already frustrated and um, occupied and I don't want to add to their frustration. So I'll be the good quiet kid Mm -hmm. that doesn't really need anything because I'll be rewarded in that sense. Like I, I will be rewarded with love. Um, If I were to ask for what I want or what I need, Mm -hmm. it can feel very scary because will that lead to a punishment? And will that punishment be a withdrawal of love? Mm, yeah, yeah. And that that mindset can really have a heavy impact on like just your relationships all over the place. I know for myself, but also for my clients who have mm-hmm. come from a background where there are no boundaries, mm-hmm. they really struggle with feeling secure in their relationships like across the board. It is a, and it takes a long time. It can take a long time to sort through some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah and and you can live a lifetime of being that way and not thinking um that in a sense you're getting in your own way yeah or you know if anything uh this can apply to so many different areas in life i mean it can apply to uh getting a raise at a job that you feel like you deserve it can apply to uh asking somebody out it can uh, apply to certain friendships yeah absolutely. you might feel like are possibly one-sided or not um it can apply to so many things where you can uh recognize that oh wow i'm getting in my own way when it comes to really having what i want in my own life 
Yeah. So, and with that, you know, to, because there's a lack of boundaries and you're getting in your own way, a lot of times it can be hard to tell, is this something that I want? Or is this something that someone else told me to want? You know, the external influence. Mm -hmm. Would you say someone or like yourself, when you started implementing boundaries, how can you tell when something is authentic to you and not just like external influence from like a lack, from the lack of boundaries? Yeah, that's a really good question. I would pay attention to if you feel a sense of relief, mm-hmm. um, if you feel a sense of relief, if you feel comfortable, um, because adapting to society or what you think society wants yeah. is generally neurotic. I yeah. mean, it, <laughs> like it's a matter of like thinking like, oh, like what does this person want or what do, what do they think is acceptable? And there's a lot of mental gymnastics going on. Yeah. Um, rather than thinking to yourself, well, what is it that I want and what feels good for me? Mm-hmm. Um, and what doesn't feel like an imposition? Um, and what's aligned with my values and yeah. who I am as a person? Yeah. I think if you notice that you feel relief, that's probably a good sign that you're doing something you're doing right by yourself. Okay. Relief. Okay. That's interesting because I think a lot of, I know for um, clients that I've worked with over the years that relief is actually a little bit scary for them. Like mm-hmm. they they feel a little bit uncomfortable with it um, and they're so unfamiliar with it that they think that they've done something wrong um, mm-hmm. as opposed to, oh, this means that like this is for me. Um, and that, mm-hmm. that has been a really interesting thing to to help people through and to witness people experience. Hmm. Well, do you think that the fear comes from the fact that there's opportunity to change? Hmm. Because something different happened. They did something different. Yeah. Yes. I, you know, I, it depends on the person, of course. Um, Absolutely. But a lot of times, you know, yes, it's that change, but it's also that sense of, you know, abandoning what they were taught to rely on that I mm-hmm. found. So a lot of times the yeah. at least the clients I've worked with, you know, the lack of boundaries was because the environment growing up is very um codependent. Like the family members were all very codependent. And mm-hmm. so recognizing what is authentic to you, recognizing what it is that you truly want is abandoning mm-hmm. this this identity for yourself, um but everything that you were raised on and there's a lot of guilt and shame. And that feels a lot more uncomfortable than the relief that you're feeling from, oh, this is, this is me. And this is what I want. Mm. Um, so it's mm. been, re- yeah, it's a very interesting unraveling that happens. Okay. But that's so ironic that you're talking about abandoning and self-abandonment because um, if you have a parent that has that disease to please, mm-hmm. you start to think, oh, to be a good person, I should not make anybody mad or yeah. I shouldn't say no. Yeah, um, because that's me being generous. That's me being giving, and yes. therefore I'm a good person if I'm doing that. Yes, and, but that comes at a cost mm-hmm. because so much of that time, it, when you spend so much of that time doing that, it then becomes self abandoning. Yeah, Abs- yes, Abs- yes, yes, yes. That's one of the big things that I do work on with people. Is I'm like a lot of times, especially when it comes to anxiety. Anxiety comes up because we've been abandoning ourselves in some capacity because of a fear and mm-hmm. um, they don't recognize that. They're like, well, how can I be abandoning myself? 
but they were taught from such an early age to prioritize everyone else that mm-hmm. like any time mm-hmm. that you are, you know, you're disconnecting from yourself and abandoning yourself. And mm-hmm. I swear I say this like five times a week where I'm like, mm-hmm. if you are prioritizing everyone else's needs and you're not feeling like, you know, seen or like people understand you, that's also because you're not seeing yourself and you're not understanding yourself. Like it's a, our relationships are mirrors as frustrating as it may be mm-hmm. to recognize. Yes. yes. Absolutely. Um prioritizing the needs of others before your own yeah yes Yes. yeah yeah absolutely it's a matter of you know can you and do you want to yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and the people you know and I it I see it and I've experienced it where you're taught you know generosity like giving and giving and giving it means you're a good person as like Mm -hmm. a almost like you have to there's a checklist that has to be continued in order for you to be a good person and it's taken me a while to like be like no that's not true but I see it with clients where they're just like well what how are people going to perceive me or like what are people you know am am I still a good person and they have to really reacquaint themselves and there's a lot so much shame and so much guilt that comes along with some of this boundary setting that people people I found that people think that boundary setting is like about being aggressive like that you you have to be like, yeah, this is, this is how it is. And this is whatever, but there's a lot of like deep emotional work that like crying and things like that, that happens with, with boundary setting. I don't know. Um, how- <laughs> so like dive further into this here. And I really appreciate <laughs> bringing all this up. I mean, mm-hmm. because this also has to do with like being conflict averse or not. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, there's so much that goes into it Um, because boundaries isn't all just like aggro and like kicking people to the curb and all that. It can almost feel that way. And it can almost um, be because of that being kind of taught to us in a way by our parents. Um, We may have a history of being a guilt tripped before, uh, but what we're really saying is how I feel and what I want matters. Okay. Yeah. And if I go, th- if we go through life prioritizing this desire to avoid conflict because we're so uncomfortable with conflict, yeah. we're constantly self-abandoning to fulfill that directive of avoiding conflict. Yeah. Yeah. And imagine doing that for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <As an adult. laughs> yeah. No, I That's mean, scary, I, isn't it? That's more scary, probably. Yeah. It is, it is at least from the, the place I'm at now. I think like because that was me, like forever was just like oh, I hate it. Yeah. I'm I was very conflict averse. I still have to give myself uh pep talks when it comes to conflict in certain areas of my life. And yeah, I mean it it's exhausting to think about now, like living from that place where I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, because I think so many of us, I can at least like speak for myself about this, like uh, growing up may have wanted to be the person that's like, oh, I'm cool with everything. Yeah. Like, chill. I'm good with whatever. I'm chill. Yeah. yeah. That can't always be true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. For you sure. Yeah. 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 So how um how do boundaries help other people, like help people in our lives? You know, I know. Um, at least a lot of women that I, and I mostly work with women, right? We talked about that the other day where I have like two, <laughs> like whatever, um, yeah, I work yeah. with women. 
And one of the big themes that comes up over and over and over again is that they're, they fear boundaries. They fear that boundaries is like abandoning the people that they love. Um, they're nervous that boundaries are harmful to others. You know, moms are, are, are a group that particularly have a hard time with boundaries and those boundaries are a little trickier, but mm-hmm. how can boundaries actually help the people in our lives and help our relationships? Well, setting boundaries is a form of self-compassion mm-hmm. and taking care of yourself with values-based decision-making is the ability to create the experiences and relationships that you want for yourself. Mm-hmm. In addition, um, self-compassion will give you the capacity to show compassion to other people. Mm-hmm. So it does help other people. Yeah. Um, strength, it strengthens your connections mm-hmm. and relationships and saying no is an act of self-compassion and it can limit emotional pain and suffering on both sides. Mm. Um, because we all got to accept the fact that not everyone will like us. <laughs> yes, um, a hard, a hard road to go down. <laughs> yes. I mean, because you can't be all things to all people. Mm-hmm. And that includes like family and friends. Um, yeah. You're not going to be invited or included in all the things that you wish that you could be and yeah. setting and communicating clear limits or yeah. boundaries is necessary for any healthy relationship. Um, yeah. And, you know, some things to know um, what to do with that. First, you got to identify and notice how you're feeling when you're with that person or group. Notice how you feel when you're not with them. Yeah. And trust in your gut. If something feels wrong, <laughs> it probably is. Yeah. Yeah. So many times we're taught not to like, (laughs) and then I I always tell clients, I'm like, if you've spent decades or years telling your physical body, be quiet, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. It's going to be hard to connect with that and to, and to use that as, as a pivoting point. Um, You Mm -hmm. have to almost like reacquaint yourself with Mm -hmm. your body in order to, to do some of this work. Like there's a physical level of, of emotional healing as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. there's so much unlearning that one can go through when they're in their own therapy yeah uh, <laughs> especially especially when they have a history of being um uh gaslit mm-hmm. early on in their childhood i mean yeah. uh so that's another thing to also recognize is um trusting your gut and knowing that certain feelings come up for a reason yeah yeah and absolutely up to you to explore that yeah now you mentioned gaslighting and I know I get a lot of questions on like social media about like, what is truly gaslighting? Like what is truly the, the gaslighting that we should be concerned about? Because there's just, it's such an, an overused word now that mm-hmm. people are like, well, what truly is gaslighting and what is just somebody, you know, having a difference of opinion or like voicing their own experience. So I want, I want to get your perspective on this. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Gaslighting involves when someone invalidates your reality mm-hmm. of what you've lived through or what your experience was. Mm-hmm. For example, if you were to tell somebody like, I was hurt when you said this and somebody says, but I never said that. And they definitely did say that. Yeah. Has you like thinking like, well, did they actually, did they say it? Mm-hmm. Do I have to like go out of my way to record them the next time I have a conversation with them to say, Hey, look, here's the proof here. <laughs> it's just that kind of like, 
experience where someone you know feels like you're uh crazy yeah um, when you experience that kind of invalidation mm-hmm. um that is a very clear example of um gaslighting okay uh, when you're with somebody that um really goes out of their way to defend themselves from personal responsibility or accountability mm-hmm. um or even just allow themselves to hear feedback mm-hmm. that could be criticism yeah. in a yeah. constructive way yeah because um, sometimes uh, people have boundaries in order to keep certain relationships too and yeah. if you make that attempt to say hey you know i thought about our conversation i didn't really appreciate when you said this and here's why mm-hmm. and someone just invalidates you with yeah. you know saying like oh, well, I never said that. And, you know, you're overthinking it or whatever, just minimizing or dismissing it. Yeah, That can really feel horrible for somebody that has trouble setting boundaries in the first place. Mm -hmm. They can feel not safe. They can feel humiliated. They can feel discouraged. Um, So when you know for a fact that somebody said something to you and they deny it. Yeah. That's, that's gaslighting. Okay. Okay. I think it's, it's good to have those, have these conversations with people because I think there's so much out there, like on social media about like what things Mm -hmm. are, but without really defining it, just using these like personal examples that Mm -hmm. I think it's having, it's causing people to not be able to really articulate their experiences like with clarity. And so Mm -hmm. I think having these, these conversations where like, here's an exact example. And here's like, you know, it's when somebody is invalidating your experience. And that's usually what I say. I'm like, whenever you are leaving a conversation where you expressed your point of view and somebody made you feel crazy or totally like invalidated it or was like, no, you're just wrong. And Mm -hmm. I was like, that is a form of gaslighting. I was like, you, Mm -hmm. you, nobody else can ever be inside of your body feeling what you feel or experiencing what you, what you Mm -hmm. experience. It's not to say anybody is right or wrong. But like in the sense of like, you know, if I say I saw the the sky as blue and you're like, well, I saw the sky as green. It's not to say that either of us is right or wrong, but you shouldn't like if you were to say like, well, how are you? How can you tell the sky is blue? And like, I can. Here's the exact proof. And here's the whatever where you're making me feel like my opinion or my experience is wrong um, is usually when I help, like, I can help clients identify, like, hey, this is what this is. Okay, let's mm-hmm. talk about it. Let's break it down. Um, mm-hmm. And so I wanted to make sure we had that conversation, too, mm-hmm. because of all of the questions that I get online about it. Um, mm-hmm. So thank you for that. I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so, um, it's such a mainstream topic of conversation these days. I mean, I, I have friends in my life that talk about the bachelor or the bachelorette and like, that's such a, <laughs> I mean, that I like, entire show is that... like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, who hurt you people? <laughs> oh my God. Well, I mean, like, it's so funny, but it's also so important that um there isn't confusion about that because like, there's so many people our age and younger that now go on those shows and listen and like really put, shows like that on a pedestal when it comes to yeah. uh, what a healthy relationship looks like. Yeah. And thinking about everything that we're talking about so far, conflict avoidance mm. in the mix of boundaries. Yeah. Uh, and something that I can also say about the difficulty with boundaries in a therapeutic setting mm-hmm. is also 
managing a patient's anger mm. and dealing with that yeah. and giving them the space for that because it can feel quite intimidating when you're a young novice therapist. Yeah. Especially when uh you may have had uh not as many opportunities to practice with mm -hmm. that. Um especially when growing up anger may have been a forbidden emotion mm -hmm. where you may not even be able to recognize that within yourself. Yeah. It's somebody else. Yeah. Um, and sometimes people can turn anger into something more acceptable, which would be sadness, mm -hmm. something that's like not threatening yes. and yeah. or not convey or talk about it. Yeah. And an example of that can be, uh, if you, let's say, have a patient, they miss, you charge them, and then they don't show up the next week. That's mm -hmm. meaningful. And then okay. they, they come back, and they don't even talk about the week where they missed, yeah. like the things that they missed. Yeah. Um, someone like us, we can uh, bring that up by asking, um, yeah, I haven't uh, seen you the week after I charged you. Um, what thoughts do you have about that? Yeah. That can open the door for somebody to say, well, yeah, I was pissed when you did charge me. I mean, I understood yeah. why, but, and they can talk about their feelings about it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the reason why I say that that's important is because um, when something is left unsaid, then it's a dysfunctional environment. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's, yeah. That's really powerful. Because I think a lot of people I'm just thinking about different things like with clients but also with friends and stuff where it's they feel it's almost easier and even with myself <laughs> to okay like just leave things unsaid but creating this dis but it does create this dysfunctional environment mm -hmm. yeah okay. yeah Definitely. well resentment builds when there's a period of conflict avoidance too yeah uh, yeah I mean regardless of whatever a patient might say to that kind of question as long as you like presented that question mm -hmm. you know you could be way off the mark or you could be on the money yeah. but it's like you you give that patient the impression that like hey we can discuss anything and that includes like something that like I did or that yeah. I because we shouldn't allow ourselves to be put on this pedestal of like yeah. oh I know <laughs> goes and yeah. that we can go wrong because that's not true yeah I know I have clients who are like wow your life must be so like great and so easy <laughs> because she's like I had one client who was just like you're so mature and wise for your age and like life must just be so and I was just like oh I'm no I'm human just like everyone else <laughs> mm -hmm. I just really yeah. good professional boundaries <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like I, mean, oh, I knew I told my best friend and she was like oh man and I was like I know they if only they knew <laughs> uh-huh right right oh, and that's idealizing right yeah yeah it happens when someone doesn't know enough about us and by the way they they shouldn't know a yes. ton about us yes, I mean it, it, for the sake of protecting the therapeutic relationship because you know if they know too much about us then that can really complicate things to where a patient may decide uh, without us even knowing that, hey, I'm not going to go there with this person because I know this about them. Yeah. And because I know that particular bit of information, 
that's going to give me the impression that they can't go there with me. Yeah. They talk about this certain subject. I'm not going to be helped. Yeah. Through this issue because of something that I know yeah. here. So it's a, it's a delicate balance between knowing like um what to disclose to and how you decide and how yeah. come up with that decision. Yeah. But yeah, um, there's something else too with um we need to change our mind about what conflict is. Mm. I notice that many people can be very afraid of just that word. There's oh, such yeah. a there can be such a negative connotation with it. Mm -hmm. And conflict isn't solely a negative word. It doesn't have to be mean or abusive. Yeah. Um, it can be something like, hey, I'd like to make this request mm -hmm. that if you're going to be 10 minutes late, give me a call because uh, I find myself annoyed or pissed when that happens, when you don't communicate and that'll ruin our time together. Yeah. So we can agree that you're going to let me know because it makes me feel not considered or invisible when you don't. Mm. Yeah. And that was a very like direct, but like not, not angry, not, you know, um, on the attack, so to speak, like, you know, when people are yelling at you or that kind of thing, where it's not feeling like a punishment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're expressing your feelings. Yeah. You're not saying that uh, to the other person that like, uh, you're an inconsiderate jerk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. saying like, I feel invisible or I don't feel considered when this happened. Yeah. yeah. Um, this may not be your intent but this is how I'm receiving it. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing that I've, I've helped that I find helping people with when it comes to like relationships is that people mm. think that confrontation or conflict is like a, you're this and you're that, and you're always like, and they make it about the other person when it's really just about how you're feeling. So if you mm. just stick to like, I feel this way when this happens, this is what I need. You're not putting that person on the defense because once someone's in the defense, they're not listening to you. They're not listening to, yeah, they're, they're so concerned and like with just defending themselves and protecting themselves that that conversation now has very little productivity for helping you guys move forward. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's so funny um, that you brought up like the because I have clients a lot of times who, because I coach and I, but I also do therapy that mm -hmm. ask like, what's the difference? Because they're like, isn't it the same thing? And I'm like, no, because with coaching, you do share more about your story. And like you use that to help people <clears throat> in a more, like in a coaching way, as opposed to yeah therapy and like psychoanalytics um, and all that kind of stuff. So it was interesting yeah. that you brought that up because I was like, I have people ask me that all the time. Yes, yes. And I'm glad that you made that distinction too, because yeah. that can get lost. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. people think coaching and therapy is the same thing when it's not. <laughs> yeah, like coaching can be and a strategy that a therapist might use, like at in a in like a different different scenarios, but they're not the same thing. And I always have to tell people because they're like, well, it seems like it's kind of similar. And I'm like, no, you know, coaching, you have more of this personal connection to the the person who is like doing it and you know more about their background and it is much more of like strategizing while therapy can, is much more of, um, you know, you're, you, they're helping to guide you, but like you're making these, these realizations and it's really through like talking things through and they might point something out, you know, all of the different 
techniques we use, like summarization mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But it's just mm -hmm. very different. And the boundaries are very, very different um, mm -hmm. between the two. So that was really, I'd like, thank you for bringing that up because I don't think I've talked about that before on here. Yeah, of course, of course. So yeah. how do you help clients or how would you recommend for people listening to like maintain their boundaries with other people? Like, do you feel like there is a level of reinforcing that happens? And I know, you know, you said like, nope, none of us are perfect. We're all growing. So there is sometimes regression. Um, but what is kind of the thing that you feel helps reinforce progress that people might make in session and transferring mm -hmm. it over to, you know, the outside world? Hmm. Okay. So that comes with knowing what our preferences, limits, and deal breakers are. Mm -hmm. If we know them, then we can develop a capacity to be able to communicate them with mm -hmm. transparency whenever we so choose. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, just because you know what um, those are, doesn't yeah. mean you know necessarily how to communicate them either. Mm -hmm. But it starts with practice. Yeah. And, um, it also starts with accepting the fact that um, it's not going to be easy every time. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, how someone responds to your boundaries when you do try to communicate them. Mm -hmm. Is it's more indicative of their own internal world and it has less to do with you. It's also important to remember that. Yeah. Um, because it says a lot about somebody when you do know for a fact that you have reasonable boundaries mm -hmm. to communicate. And when yeah. someone doesn't accept or respect them, then you know, okay, this person, I know to not fully trust them or even want to keep them in my life. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's also important to know, like, what, what's the purpose of that relationship to begin with? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I know you said that part of it is knowing, like, your needs and your priorities. Um, mm -hmm. For individuals who are coming into this, you know, into this work now and mm -hmm. figuring out their needs and priorities is almost like a form of, like, seeing themselves for the first time. What mm -hmm. advice do you have um, or, and if, like, what process do you recommend for accepting yourself and accepting these needs these priorities that maybe are very different than you know the what you were taught to want or what you were taught to prioritize mm, okay so that is a difficult journey to undertake yeah because you're bound to get met with resistance yeah you change when yeah. you're different from how you were brought up Mm -hmm. um, especially if you're different from your family with how they engage yeah. um, with communication when it comes to boundaries, when it comes to all of that. Um, and just know that that's going to be par for the course. Now, um, it's tough because there's no one-size-fits-all approach that I've come to find yet on this. Yeah, absolutely. Because it really depends on what solution that person finds comfort and happiness with that mm -hmm. they can live with yeah um, and only they would know that yeah uh, absolutely now it, it really depends on like how your experience goes and you'll never know how it goes until you do it okay, yeah. <laughs> absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely well it's a, it's that's why i tell people i was like even if you're doing coaching or even if you know you're you're reading these self-help books self-help books therapy or having some type of like person 
that you can work this stuff through is so important because not every single strategy, like I, I know a lot of people who take digital courses or who are like really mm -hmm. into the self-help stuff. Not every single strategy is for every single person. And it can be really powerful to have somebody like you or myself or any other practitioner or coach out there who can help you figure out what strategy, what process is going to be the best for you instead mm -hmm. of just trying to, you know, make yourself fit into these. Cause then it's kind of like mirroring, you know, you trying to make yourself fit in this other environment that mm -hmm. you are coming from, but just in this different mm -hmm. capacity. Mm -hmm. What I can say to somebody that has a lot of fear and apprehension mm -hmm. about just even beginning to mm -hmm. express themselves in a more direct way mm -hmm. or in a way that involves reasonable boundaries. Mm -hmm. I would say that um, ultimately by not doing it, you're ultimately depriving yourself of information mm -hmm. that yeah. you can have on that person that yeah. environment, that relationship, whatever it may be, you're mm -hmm. keeping yourself at a standstill by not engaging or not trying. Yeah. And, you know, no one ever said that growth, meaningful growth comes without some pain. That is true. That no pain, is true. No pain. Yeah, exactly. I, I <laughs> and growth is supposed to be uncomfortable, you know, like it's, you're outside of your comfort zone. It's, it's something new and the new can be a little bit scary. It's, requires some like physically preparing our bodies for that and then emotionally and mentally and all that kind of stuff so yeah. what would you say are and in your experience is there when you said decide like here's a need here's a priority is there a difference between boundaries with family versus friends um or even like setting boundaries with family versus friends from your experience or you know what you've seen with clients now that's a very interesting question because um Immediately, I think, well, uh, is it any different when it comes to close relationships in your life? Mm -hmm. um, you know, because like sometimes people can be closer with their friends than they are with their family. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and like sometimes people have it both ways where they're close with their family and with their friends. Mm -hmm. um, and in actuality, I, I'm thinking like, uh, is it really any different? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was even wondering if, you know, you were saying some people are closer to their friends than their family. Is that because they feel more comfortable having boundaries with their friends than with their family? Exactly. That too. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's a really and good, no one... that's, yeah. Sorry. Keep going. <laughs> oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that, like, that's a really powerful thing to think about. Like, is there a difference or what are the differences between your relationship with your friends versus your family? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And are you not close with your family? Are you not close with your friends because you don't assert reasonable mm -hmm. boundaries? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, even looking at my own relationships, the ones that I have good boundaries with, I'm like, I feel the safest with them. I feel the most comfortable sharing with them, opening up to them because we have certain boundaries and which, mm -hmm. you know, took some time mm -hmm. to, to implement. But yeah, and that, so that's something to for people to really think about is, what group or dynamic or environment do you not feel the most comfortable in? And most likely it's, it's due to a lack of boundaries, you know, the discomfort, because as you were saying, you know, something unsaid leads to a dysfunctional environment. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, and also knowing um, what role do you play in that situation in your life? Mm -hmm. um, 
a lot of people go into therapy knowing what their issues are, but they don't know what keeps them acting and, all those issues out. Yes. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's important to, yeah, recognize that um you have a part in this. Yeah. Uh, you have a part in uh, things remaining as they are, mm-hmm. but you have a choice. Yeah. And you have the agency to not only understand this and get a greater sense of self-awareness, mm-hmm. but also make choices with what you're going to do with this info yeah. uh, that you learn. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you, and are there any other like strategies that you want to share? You know, is there a specific step that you feel like people should, you know, from today's conversations, prioritize doing when it comes to boundaries? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Now there are a couple, um, defining and labeling what kind of space do you need to create like recognizing like what you need and label it as a boundary like for instance like a a college senior can report feeling like overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and when it comes to athletics and and academics and social interests and work and anything additional started weighing heavily on them Mm -hmm. uh that person can start to choose which activities are their biggest priority or most valued okay. and then set their boundaries accordingly. Yeah. Uh, there's that there's communicating, mm-hmm. like how you communicate your boundaries matters yeah. and teaching others how you want to be treated by communicating what you tolerate and what you don't Yeah. like focus on you and express what you need. Yeah. Uh, and also another strategy is like to seek support. Yeah. Um, how you speak your truth and manage your reactions mm-hmm. is a learned behavior that we yeah. all need to know yeah. and be aware of. And with friends and family, you can practice setting boundaries together and hold each other accountable. And if you're setting your boundaries alone, think of someone you know who models healthy boundaries and learn from their behavior, Yeah, uh, which ultimately can be you and I. Yeah. Um, that's like part of our purpose too with the work that we do. I mean, like, for instance, I make it a point to never go over our time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when I'm with a patient, yeah. like, I don't That's want them to think, <laughs> hey, but it's a work in progress, right? I mean, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, hey, I wasn't the best at doing that either when I first started, but um, <laughs> it's a matter of like, knowing in what ways could that impact them? Yeah. Um, and knowing like, I don't want them to think that that can happen again. because that can make them feel like potentially uncomfortable and just um like I said before to make a full circle boundaries help people feel safe yeah absolutely absolutely so um anything else you want to share about your work how can people reach out to you um are you accepting new clients I know in Michigan um but anything that you want to share about your work upcoming projects and things like that Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm still uh, in a hybrid situation where I'm working in person and virtually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's the blessing that comes with uh, working virtually these days is that uh, it's not delegated to a certain zip code anymore. Yes. You could come from the UP for all we know. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Like us. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So that, that's a blessing that comes with that. But um, as of right now, I'm not accepting any new patients at this time. But okay. Anybody can look me up on psychology today and they'll see um, if I'm uh, available to take anybody new on and uh, can look that up. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much.
And um, I will link your Psychology Today profile in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you so much. Anna Marie, this is great. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. If you liked what you heard, share, rate, and subscribe to this podcast. Your support means so much to me, and I love sharing all this information with you. So if you heard something that really resonated or felt inspiring, make sure to share with a friend or family. Have a great day. See you next time.